Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Gustav Show. A uh, quick idea I wanted to share about the function of consciousness from the perspective of evolutionary psychology and biology. So, fundamentally, what consciousness is or does is it something that experiences, right? A rock doesn't experience reality. You know, some sort of, you know, non-biological matter does not experience reality. But consciousness is unique in that Things happen to it. It observes. It is able to perceive and feel, you know, and this is inescapable. This is something you can't think your way out of. You can't, oh, I'm going to think my way out of, you know, the feeling of being stabbed in the chest. No, you, you don't get to do that. You don't get to think your way out of anything like this. You, you, you'll feel everything, you know, you feel everything that happens to you. And you can say, well, no, you, you, you can think your way out of it. It's like, well, the way you think your way out of something, right? Like pain, is you go into shock. And if when you go into shock, you're not really conscious, are you? So, and then, then oh, let's, what about the pain of surgery? Yeah, you, you are anesthetized, right? You're put, you know, your consciousness is removed and then they do surgery on you, right? Or or let's say in the old days, right, when they would just get you super drunk, you know, your consciousness is probably not as astute or aware and your senses are dulled, right? You're not fully conscious, you know, you're, you're still there a little bit and it'll still hurt a little bit. But you're not fully there. But so, so anyway, my point here is that consciousness is experience, an inex- inescapable experience. And I think that consciousness, the, one of the other functions, and I don't know if I can prove this. I can't, but I'm going to not argue, but what's the word for it? I'm just going to postulate that consciousness also allows for the creation of, I guess, novel ideas or novel information. Consciousness creates new information, right? And what I mean by that is I think a function of consciousness is that it has will. You have a will to do something. You get to decide, you know, there's a fork in the road. You get to decide if you go left or if you go right. And I think that's a part of consciousness. If you were just some sort of deterministic entity, that wasn't probabilistic at all, then you wouldn't 
have a choice of going left or right. You just would go left or go right, you know, whichever one you're programmed to go. But consciousness allows us to, you know, choose. We have free will. And you could say, well, free will, it's also probabilistic, blah, 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 blah. Well, whatever. It's it's still, I guess, somewhat indeterminate. You know, there's a probability you go this way or that way. There's a probability you choose this or that. And I'd say that that's what free will is to an extent. Free will is more complicated than that, but that's an element of it. And I'd say that that stems from consciousness. I don't think a, a rock can have free will, you know. I can program a computer to have randomness, but I don't think that's free will. Because free will, like like a computer, it generates random. I picked the letter L. <laughs> it generates random inputs, or random, you know, a random number, for example, based on some sort of seed, you know, and it has to pull it from external reality. From my understanding, in order to get a random number picks it up from a time seed. You know, it figures out what the exact atomic time is or something like that. And then using those, that seed, it says, okay, this is a random number from that seed. I mean, that's a, a simplification and not really completely accurate, but essentially that's what a computer does when it tries to do something random. There is no randomness in computation from my understanding. It needs to be kind of artificially generated. But a conscious entity, I think it can create some sort of chaotic randomness in a sense. So I think what I've tried to establish here is that consciousness has two fundamental elements to it. Consciousness is experience, and consciousness is will. And from this, I think that we can determine, or we can kind of reverse engineer why evolution decided that consciousness was a good idea. And I think that Essentially what consciousness does is that at the, at the very base level, right, our brains want us to do certain things, you know. We want to fulfill certain emotional needs and, and such, you know. We, we, want, we want to eat. We want to sleep. We want to have sex. We want to fulfill, you know, the base base level of Maslow's hierarchy, and maybe a little higher. And I think consciousness, because there's the function of experience within consciousness, that's another motivator. It's a very strong motivator for us to adhere to these, right? Because if we don't get what we need then we feel immense pain, right? And what consciousness does, because it can experience and because it has will, 
as I've kind of, you know, asserted. Consciousness is some sort of independent actor within you know, the machinery of what we are, you know, as biological machines of sorts. And this conscious entity, who we are, wants to maybe at the, at the deepest level, minimize the pain that we feel, right? Because, I mean, let's say that our consciousness says, you know what, I want to do something crazy and da-da-da-da. You know, I want to go on a mountain bike and jump over a cliff. Okay, well, you think through it. And there's probably a high likelihood that you you jump over the cliff on a mountain bike and you break your neck or something like that. And then you go through an immense amount of pain and then you die, right? And since consciousness is experience, and pain is something unavoidable, consciousness, by definition, does not want to experience pain because... Pain, you know, hurts. Pain is something that consciousness does not want to experience. So consciousness uses free will. It uses the will to tell the body not to do things that will cause consciousness pain. And I think that that's probably why evolution created consciousness. It's a way of prevent pain prevention i guess and pain is something that hurts the reproductive ability of an organism perhaps right you know if you're if you're paralyzed from the neck down what's the likelihood that you're going to be able to have a, have children right how what's the likelihood you're going to be able to find a mate so consciousness I guess one reason it's here is to minimize pain. And you could say, well, why don't we just have a hard-coded thing in our brains that just ensures that we don't do things that will, you know, prevent us from reproducing or whatnot. But I'd say that maybe the evolutionary landscape where living organisms evolved into is so complex that we don't really know what will affect our chances of reproduction or, or whatnot. And, you know, pain is a very good indicator. And maybe beyond that, emotions are very good indicators of, you know, good and bad paths that people well not people but organisms go down and you know negative emotions will lead to a path that is less likely for people to or organisms to reproduce in right and maybe the reason why consciousness emerged is due to the fact that because of the 
complexity of our environment. We needed some, you know, extremely abstract way of determining whether the direction that our, you know, the organism's body is going or what it's doing is the right one or the wrong one, right? Because let's say, let's say there's two paths and the organism starts walking down one path and it feels like it's burning and it's dying and stinging and whatnot, right? It's not going to do that because consciousness will give a signal to say, don't do this. This is terrible. And then it goes down the other path and it doesn't feel that, right? And let's say one of those paths was like a burning forest, right? And the other path was, you know, not that. The likelihood, you know, if you if you go down the painful path, it'll kill you and you won't be able to reproduce. And if you go down the non-painful path, it won't kill you. And you'll be able to reproduce. Now, this is a very Darwinian idea, I guess. But there's probably some validity in it. And 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 you could say, let's let's say you're a Christian listening to this. You could say, well, no, consciousness just exists because God put it there. I think I think that if you're gonna be a a, a Christian listening to or or conceptualizing, you know, our biology and such, I think that you need to be open to the idea that you know God didn't put things here by just, you know, magically bringing his hand down and manipulating everything. But rather, things were created by a subtle manipulation of the forms and the laws that govern reality. Or rather, everything exists and has been cleverly orchestrated by you know, invisible forces that you can't even begin to comprehend. You know, you think that it needs to be physically done. It's like, well, I mean, that's because you're you're thinking about it in a really stupid way. It's like, what if, what if the way things were physically done was by manipulating one constant and then knowing that, oh, you know what, if I manipulate this one constant in these initial conditions, everything will end up in this exact order. I think that that's the real way that God operates. And but but I'd also say that that God probably operates in you know it's not just a a clockmaker. I think uh, what was it called? In the 1700s everyone or a lot of the founding fathers kind of adhered to this ideology, but they they essentially thought that God, you know, set set all the initial conditions and then he just never touched the world again. I don't think that's true. I think that, you know, God set all the initial conditions, set everything up to work. But I think there's also something deeper. And I think that there's a place for miracles. There's a place for intervention. There's a place for, you know, interaction and manipulation of the inherent probabilistic functions and wave functions that govern reality that God has a, a hand in, Right. You know, because there's a level of indeterminacy. <clears throat> excuse me. There's a level. There is a level of indeterminacy to reality, and I think that that's one area where God kind of has some 
sway. One other thing I'd say when it comes to miracles is I think people say, oh, you know, miracles are just unexplainable and they're, they're impossible and blah, blah, blah. And God can do whatever he wants. I don't think so. I think God, you know, he has these physical laws. And if you're just going to break physical laws, then, you know, what's the purpose of laws, right? Especially if God is supposed to be the truth, you know, how are you supposed to violate the truth if you're the truth, right? So I think that what miracles are and what God is and does is he uses the the framework that he set up in order to, you know, create the world as it is or as it should be, you know. You know, miracles are nothing but a a manipulation of the probabilities and the unknowns and, you know, the initial conditions behind reality in order to give rise to phenomenon that are unexplainable given that you don't know the full picture and, you know, extremely oppor- – not opportunistic but, you know, helpful, Right. For example, like all of the the plagues of Moses, there are actually – you can look this up. But there are actually like real-life explanations of why these could have happened, right? And they probably did happen because they were written down, right? But – and actually, you should, you should really look into the entire story and history of Moses because this is – it's fascinating, especially if you look into like the really deep stuff. It it changed Egyptian culture as well, but that's another that's another topic. The point being though, that you know, all of these different quote plagues happened at the same time. And you know, you could say, Oh, well, it's just a coincidence or da 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 or or this never happened, but it's like, you know, these th- are things that could have actually happened. They probably did happen, but they all happen at the exact same time and they have real world explanations, but they all happened at the same time and meant something to, you know, these Jewish people who lived in Egypt, you know, and they had an extreme narrative significance. I think that's the point. Like, you know, God doesn't function through or the God isn't just something that, you know, just does things randomly. God has a narrative purpose to everything that he does. And I think that's the way you understand it. That's, that's, that's the, real, the real argument of Christianity. It's saying that, you know, reality isn't just something that's chaotic, that's, you know, subjective to each person. You know, there's a narrative behind it. There's a story. There's a reason for everything, right? Anyway, so that's, that's kind of a little tangent, a little aside, but... Let's go back to the original point. Consciousness and pain and free will. But so one of the purposes of consciousness is to avoid pain, you know, and to seek things that are pleasurable to it, right? Because consciousness is something that experiences you know, and experience is something that's self-confined, something that's known, right? It's not something that's just information, you know. This is actually, you know, another brief aside, but I think that this is an interesting difference between, you know, quote, science and religion. 
Religion deals in experience. Science deals in information. You could say, well, no, science deals in explanations. It was like, explanations are still information. Science explains physical reality. Whereas religion, or maybe the the study of experience and how best to experience reality, I guess just does just that. It's it's a way of ensuring that the way that you experience reality is the closest to the best way that you can do it. And I think a lot of people they conflate, you know, science science replaced religions. Like, well, they're they're two different things. You know, we've always had some ver- version of science, right? We've had engineering for hundreds of thousands of years, right? Even monkeys can create tools. We can predict things. We've predicted things for thousands and thousands of years, right? Like the stars. But what religion does is it gives you a path for your consciousness, right? Because right now what we're seeing is an, uh, is a destruction of kind of the collective public's view of what the value of religion is. And people in our society think that religion doesn't really have a value. And I think that the reason for this is that many people see the amount of things that science has given society, right? Science has these real tangible things, right? And it expects the same from religion. You know, the same type of bombastic and loud and brash, you know, displays of, of progress, right? Wow, like an iPhone, like a rocket, like the internet. And religion doesn't really offer that, right? I would say that in a way it does. Because I'd say that the only way we have the current scientific understanding of reality that we do now is because people believed in the initial conditions that religion offers that led to where we are now. You know, talking specifically about Catholic Christianity. And without that, we would not be in the place where we are now. Like if you look at human history, it was basically stagnant. The population was pretty stagnant. We weren't really inventing much. You know, we were going through wars and da, 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 da. I'd say that without Catholic Christianity, humanity would probably be, you know, probably Roman levels right now. But we aren't. And I think it's because of the values that Christianity has. Anyway, but but people, I'd say that they're disillusioned by religion today because science has given so many, you know, real tangible things. Whereas religion, people don't really don't really see the value in it because it doesn't give you oh these amazing things, you know. And they conflate oh you know we can have science we don't need religion anymore because we have science. It's like well they're two different things. They're 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 talking about two different elements of 
of being, right? Being necessitates information and the ability to process information, right? And science is a is a perfected version of that, you know? We have we have all these laws and we have all these variables that can very accurately govern reality and tell us about reality, right? But I'd say none of these things really tell us much about our our consciousness, you know, our consciousness and how to govern our consciousness. Now you could say, oh, psychology helps with that. You know, maybe to an extent. But our consciousness is something that's deeper than, you know, I, I said that it, our consciousness, you know, primarily delves in emotions and all these other things. But one of the fundamental things Christianity does is it says that there is a narrative behind reality. There's a story behind it all. It's not just a, you know, a random assortment of information. And I think that in order to exist, we, we need some, you know, ideals to believe in or to look towards that we orient our experience towards. And by doing so, we hijack our consciousness in order – we hijack our consciousness to aim for a, a higher good. Because let's go back to the original point. Our consciousness, it's trying to avoid pain, Right? And I'd say that without any moral values, without any religion or anything like that, it will just try to avoid pain. And what's the best, best way to avoid pain? It's either to shelter yourself, right? Prevent anything from happening to you, right? And I think you could see this today with a lot of guys like, you know, staying inside, playing video games all day. Or it's to do the opposite of pain, you know, engage in extreme hedonistic pleasure, you know, party, do drugs, get drunk every day, blah, 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 right? And I think that's the baseline of consciousness. But this vehicle that we have of consciousness, of experience, can be hijacked by religion into something much greater and much higher than, you know, this this baseline you know, animalistic drive that, you know, that we need. Religion tells you in order to have an even more fulfilling experience than just, you know, an, the, the avoiding of pain and the seeking of pleasure. If you strive for these other virtues and values, right? like honesty, joy, community, you know, love, truth, and everything else that Christianity kind of encourages when, within its adherence, then people are, are consciously seeking that. You know, they're in a way reprogramming their brains to, to seek something 
higher than what their their you know animalistic brains are telling them to want. And I would say that pragmatically in doing so, that people will put themselves in a much better place, you know, and lead to a much greater good than just if they had just followed, you know, what their brain is by default to telling them. So in a way, you have science, right? But I think you also have religion as another sort of, you know, tool to that level that allows us to, you know, transmutate or, or however you want to describe it, you know, the, the boring or, you know, not as great, you know, base layer of reality, which is our biological, you know, machinery and turn it into something that is a vehicle for something much greater. Because if, if you look into like far future potential history, like what, what humanity can achieve, what's possible, like it's, it's insane. It is uh, really unfathomable. And I'd say that that's only possible if we are striving towards our highest moral virtues as, as a people, right? And that's not something that just comes from our base biological machinery, right? That's something that needs to be augmented and strived for, that our consciousness, you know, decides to do, you know, through our willpower. But anyway, I think I think that's essentially the all that I was trying to say. I hope you guys enjoyed and yeah. Check out Gusnov on Instagram or JBS Snov on Instagram as well. And let me know what you guys think of these podcasts and I guess just text it to your text it to your friends. Say, hey, hey, look at what this guy's saying. This guy's a dummy. And then your friends will have a good laugh and you'll be popular. Everyone will like you. Everyone will, they'll put you on your, on their shoulders and they'll say, wow, this is the king, the king of Instagram, the king of comedy. This person, this person brought us someone to laugh at and we were satiated. Therefore, this person is the king among us.